0: You're listening to the E-Free Lethbridge Podcast. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. I had a bit of a busy week, busy day yesterday, running around like crazy, and all I could think about was I haven't really cut my hair. I I need to shave. I'm preaching on Sunday. It's kind of like haunting me, like I need to shave. And then finally, I just said to my wife, Ruthie, you know what? I'm doing John the Baptist. He didn't shave, so I'm not shaving. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then my lovely wife says to me, yeah, he also ate locusts. You're going to take up that practice too. (laughs) Touché, babe, touché. You you know, church, we had a good laugh this week. I think it was Tuesday where uh, Ken and Myron came into my office and they said, "They said, uh, Luke, we got a big announcement this week. And I was like, Yes, we do. Let's go. And then we kind of sat there looking kind of funny at each other, like we're not on the same page. See, because Ken was talking about the announcement that the board's going to make at the end of the service. I think Myron's talking about the Advent conspiracy announcement. And I'm just thinking about John, uh, John the Baptist's announcement here, right? Yes, we do. <laughs> John's ready to make an announcement for us. But I do think it's fitting, church, uh, with this announcement coming from the board, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that I'm up here preaching on this because we're entering into a season of change as a church. And, and, and I think for us here, as John comes in, bursting onto the scene, calling us to prepare the way for the Lord, right? This big change is, is coming in Jesus. I, that's what we're doing today. I'm calling us to that today. And anticipating uh, that the Spirit is going to refresh us and and renew us and and speak to us uh, this morning. So we're starting a new series, as Jeremy said. Uh, The the Kingdom of God. The Kingdom of God was was really, if you read the Gospels, this was Jesus' favorite topic. Referenced 32 times in the Gospel of Matthew. One of Jesus' favorites and most important topics. So the question that we got to ask right off the bat is, well, what is the kingdom of God? And I think really the scriptures put this in front of us, that really the better question is not what is, but actually who is the kingdom of God? See, when the Bible talks about kingdom, its basic meaning is not really realm or people, but reign and rule. Yes, a kingdom indeed creates a realm. Indeed, a kingdom creates a people for sure. But the emphasis of the Bible repeatedly is the reign and rule of God. The kingdom of God is the reign and and rule of God. It's, it, it's, it's a who more than it is a what. So, so when Jesus says in the gospels, uh, the, the kingdom of heaven is like, or, or the kingdom of God is like, what's he saying? The, the rule of God is like, uh, the, the reign of God is like. And John the Baptist's purpose here as he comes onto the scene really is twofold. Number one, his job is to reveal the king. And number two, uh, to prepare the people for the king's uh, arrival. He's here to reveal the king, number one. Right up to this point in the, in the gospel uh, of Matthew, we, we, we see that, that, that Matthew has framed all these kind of random stories around a promise from scripture regarding the king and his reign. Right? The gospel opens up with Joseph's dream, and then Matthew says, it happened to fulfill what is written. Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem. For it was written, a ruler will come from Bethlehem. Jesus' family escapes to Jesus. Why? Because this fulfilled what was written. Jesus' family returned to Nazareth. Matthew 2, verse 23, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. And then John the Baptist enters the scene, and Matthew frames his arrival around rut, around a promise written in Scripture. There will be a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the path for him. See, 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 Matthew, what he's doing is he's connecting the, the, the dots for the reader. Jesus' birth, right up to John's appearance and John's uh, announcement this is the king. That the scriptures promised would come. Jesus has come to rule and to reign a- a- as king. So, so, so John the Baptist's ministry, right, is to reveal Jesus as the king. And of course, right after his announcement, Jesus comes and John points at him and says, this is the one. So reveal the king, and, and his second purpose is to prepare the people for their king. And this is where our focus is going to be uh, this morning. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the path. I never knew this, but this verse comes out of, again, the Old Testament in this and the and, Scripture. And here's the practice of the ancient people when a king would arrive to town. Before a new king would come to the town, the people would prepare the road. They they would adjust the terrain. They would make the road straight and, and level. This idea, right, brings about this idea of let's make it smooth sailing for our king. Easy riding for our king as he comes to the city. If there are any barriers in the road or sharp turns, or or uneven ground. Let's get rid of that and make it smooth. And so church, my goal today is to do just that. To call us to some road work. To level the ground so that Jesus can do what he needs to do in our lives for our sake, and more importantly, for his kingdom's sake, as we enter into this series on the kingdom of God. I I, I, I love that imagery. Make the road smooth for the king. How could we make it easy for, for the spirit of God to just speak and minister and use us and work in and through us for his kingdom? Well, it's right here in the text. John tells us in preparation for the king, in preparation for arrival, the, the people must repent. The people must repent. Verse 2 repent for the, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Verse 11 I baptize you with water for re- repentance. John is making it clear that the way to pave the road for Jesus and his kingdom work in and through you is what? It's repentance. It's repentance. And repentance simply means to turn. Repentance, to to turn. And today the Spirit of God really just impressed three things on me, three calls to repentance for us this morning. Because again, I'm anticipating that God wants to move and work in your life throughout this series. And so this morning, let's pave the road so that that can happen. I think this text gives us three turns this morning. Number one, turn away from the pursuit of the kingdom of the world and turn toward, seek first the kingdom of God. Number two, turn away from sin and turn toward new life. Number three, turn away from religion and turn toward relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit so number one repent Uh, turn away from turn away from the kingdom of the world notice where John is and where the people went Uh, verse one in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea verse five people went out to him from Jerusalem and all over Judea and the whole region of the Jordan I never noticed this before. People left their world, their comfort, to travel to the desert. Why? Because they were hungry for the kingdom of God. They were hungry for the arrival of their king. And I think, church, one of my prayers for this series is that the the spirit of God would just put a hunger in your life for the kingdom of God above anything else. A hunger that you just simply can't ignore. A a hunger that causes you to move out of comfort and to go to the wilderness. A hunger that causes you to pursue the king. When God wants to do something significant in your life, he's going to displace you from the comfortable world. And most likely, he's going to call you into a place and into a wilderness that you might not want to go. I don't think it's an accident here that that John is in the wilderness calling people to the wilderness. Why? Because God uses the wilderness to prepare his people for something significant. Repeated theme in scripture. If God is going to act in your life, more times than not, he's gonna prepare you by stripping you away from a comfortable world. Almost every leader in the Bible was sent into the wilderness by God. Abraham, Moses, the Apostle Paul, Jesus himself, Matthew 4, was sent and tested in the wilderness. Why? In preparation for his ministry. Let's, let's, let's go into the wilderness. <laughs> this is where life feels empty and, and, and meaningless where you feel deserted and alone, where it could feel like you're being gutted of everything that you thought you needed and loved in life. But this is where God refines his people. This is where God proves to his people that he alone is the source of life and purpose and belonging. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I need nothing else I have everything I need in him. It took a wilderness to do that. It took a wilderness to do that. I remember reading this uh, quote a bunch of years ago, and it goes like this. uh, Sometimes you can always tell, sometimes within moments, when you have met an individual that's been so refined by God, they are some of the most secure people some of the most humble people, some of the most other-centered individuals. They are people who know deep within themselves who they are and what they are called to do, what their purpose is on this world. But most importantly, they are people who know who God is. And it took a wilderness to do that. It took a desert to do that work in their life. And church, I believe that some of you this morning have an appointment in the wilderness this year. Some of you are already there. And let me just encourage you. If you're going to be used by the king for significant things, he's going to call you into the wilderness. And friends, I don't think that we preach this enough, but more often than not, a turn away from the world and a turn towards seeking first the kingdom of God is hard and it's difficult and it's uncomfortable, but most importantly, it is worth it. It is worth it. I think we as the church sometimes we say, seek first the kingdom of God. You know, it's amazing, Your life's going to be way, way better. And that's true. But that doesn't mean easy and and comfortable. And that all your worldly dreams are going to come true. Friends, look around you. It's no longer comfortable to be a Christian in Canada. But I think, church, the problem is we thought that it was possible before. We thought it was possible before. Hence why I think in this season of church life, and I'm talking about church in North America here, I think we are in a bit of a season of wilderness. Why? Because God is actually preparing us for something. God is preparing the church for something. And it can be gutting, and it can hurt, and it hasn't been the most comfortable last couple of years, but that doesn't mean it hasn't been meaningless. God is preparing the church of North America for something significant. So, the first turn I see here in the text is a turn to repent, to turn away from the world, and to seek first the kingdom of God. Prepare yourself to be displaced, prepare yourself to go to do uncomfortable things, prepare for the king who will indeed lead and call into the wilderness so that he can prepare you for a significant season of ministry. So perhaps you just need to jot this down or pour out your cell phone. But I just want to take a moment just to give you a little time here between you and the Spirit and just ask this question, Holy Spirit, is this my turn? is this my repentance? Do I need to turn from my pursuit of the world and be willing to go where you need me to go? Take a moment. Maybe if you're sitting beside, by side somebody, you could give the elbows, hey, this is you. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> Unless you really know them. <laughs> Take a moment. Holy Spirit, is this the turn that you're calling me to? So, so, church, I, I recognize I, I would love to, you know, I, I believe the Holy Spirit does want to speak to you. And maybe this morning, I think this is all it's going to be. Is he's just going to nudge you and say, hey, this is you. And so, what that means is when you go from here, ask Him again. And when you got some time, and then he'll, He will give you some specific things that you need to turn from in your life when it comes to turning away from the, the world. I believe that. So, again, we're just giving that space just for that nudge. Verse five, people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Church, why did they go? Why why did they they go? I said because they were hungry. Uh, It says right here, verse six, to confess their sins. (laughs) They went to confess their sins. They they journeyed all the way out there, left their place of of comfort. Why? Uh, To confess their sins. Number two, Turn away from sin. The, the call for us this morning to repentance is to turn away from sin. W- weird, eh? Like <laughs> just journey all the way out there to confess sin. Who, who, who would do that? People that are hungry for the kingdom of God. People that are hungry to meet their king. H- how do I prepare myself How how do I make smooth the road for the king to work in my life? How do I level that road so that he could just come and move easily in and through me? I I confess my sins. Sin is is an archery term. So if the target's out there and I shoot and I miss the target, if I miss the target, I've sinned. How many of us could say that we've done things or said things that have missed the target, that have missed the mark? This is sin. And and, and sin is going to put barriers and potholes in my relationship with others and my relationship with God. And so, of course, our culture is going to say that it isn't really that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. We excuse sin, saying things like, well, really, it isn't your fault. Sin is the monster that we just love to deny, pretend isn't there, and we love to point it out today in everybody else except for ourselves. My friend sent me this to me this week, and it went like this. Something is wrong when the world is offended by everything but Sin. Friend, unconfessed sin is an easy way to hinder, not welcome the change and renewal that Jesus wants to bring into your life through the power of his spirit. It will hinder, not welcome the change and renewal that the spirit of God wants to breathe into you throughout this sermon series. As I was preparing, I asked God for a personal example of the power of confessing sin, and he reminded me of a few. I was like, oh yeah, oh, right, yes, that time as well. Oh yeah, that too. I'm like, I thought you were the guy that keeps no record of wrong. And he's like, you asked. But, but he, he, as I was thinking about that to, and praying on that, he, he drew me to this one experience that I think really brings out what I'm going after here from, from our text. Friends, like, and here it is, you, you know, church at six it, it, it has not recovered since uh, covid And I could remember the last Sunday right before COVID started. And as a team, we had prayed through some vision and we felt led by the spirit. And that Sunday, we were like, we're going to plant our our, our flag. Let's go. There was excitement. It was one of the best highlight services that we had. Uh, Some of you in here might remember those days. And it's sad to me because a lot of people might remember those days and now they're not here anymore. (laughs) But it just hasn't been the same. And, and, and there's many factors for that. But we're, we're far from where we were pre-COVID. It doesn't mean God's not working. Uh, this past year has been a year. And uh, someone on our leadership team, they, they said to me, I, I think we need to confess some sin. <laughs> Just like the text, you're like, huh. But that got our attention. And so we brought the whiteboard out and we said, okay, as a team... What do we need to confess? Right away almost, pride and arrogance. This idea that we got this, that we are good, that we are better. Number two, covetousness, wishing that we had more, comparing ourselves with others. Envy, laziness came up. Just this spiritual apathy, the shoulder shrugging and now guys after we did that i mean church at 6 is just bursting from the scenes i mean people have come back the floodgates are open no not 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 yet <laughs> but but last month our, our team met and it was quite clear to me that god spoke to us and, and gave us some direction and some clear Vision forward, and and it got me excited Uh, again. Do you think those two events are linked? I just don't believe in those kind of coincidences anymore if you want to make way for the king, if you want to level the ground, smooth the way, make it easy for the spirit of God just to come in and do what he needs to do in and through you, then one step is the confession of sin. Get rid of the potholes. Get rid of the roadblocks. So number one, turn away from the world. Number two, turn away from sin. And again, I'm just looking for that little nudge. But take a minute here. Spirit of God, is there any sin that I need to confess and turn away from? Spirit of God, is there any sin that I need to confess and turn away from? And again, this is just a nudge. I believe the Spirit will nudge you. And then after church, you go home and you could examine that a little bit deeper. Number one, turn away from the world. Seek first the kingdom of God. Number two, turn away from sin. And number three, turn away from religion into relationship. Verse 7 to 12. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do you not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father? I tell you that out of those stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Listen, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes someone who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing fork, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Turn away, from relation, turn away from religion and turn toward relationship with Jesus and his Holy Spirit. This paragraph or two paragraphs here uh, John is basically giving the religious establishment a wake-up call Jesus is not going to leave you as you are you won't be able to stay the same he is going to shake things up especially for you the religious you can almost see John pointing at the Pharisees and the Sadducees especially for you guys Verse 10, the ax is already at the root of the tree. Verse 12, his winnowing fork is in his hand. This winnowing fork thing, like what's up with that? <laughs> uh, it's like a, a, a rake. And so back in the day, uh, what they would do during harvest, so they would bring in all the grain to the threshing floor, which was this big flat floor. And on a windy day, Uh, they would use this winnowing fork uh, to throw up the grain into the air and the chaff would blow away and the grain would fall to the floor. I'm not a farmer, (laughs) but that's how I understand it. So, 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 so John the Baptist here, he's using these analogies of, of, of pruning and this winnowing fork as, as depictions. This is what Jesus is going to do in your life and in the world. And I love the idea of this winnowing fork uh, because the Holy Spirit is often depicted in the scriptures as as the wind. You see, the Spirit of God, he, he's gonna come into your life and he's gonna do the work of sanctification. Big word that means to make you holy. He's gonna purify you. He's gonna convict you of sin. He's gonna prune you. He's gonna blow out the destructive things in your life and he's gonna nurture and breathe his life-giving air into your soul. And the question is, are you going to let them do that work? Listen, if you want to stay the same, then you're not prepared for the king. And friends, I think that apathy is just as real now as it was then. And John wants to get our attention. I think the call for us is right here, verse nine. And do not think to yourselves that we have Abraham as our father. He's invoking this attitude of like, I'm good. I'm I'm good to go. I'm ready to receive the king. You know I've done all the religious things. You know I go to church. You know I grew up in a in a Christian home. You know I try to be a good person. You know I behave. I live a moral and ethical life. This is the life of a Pharisee and a Sadducee, my friends. They do all the right things. They check off all the boxes. And that kind of thinking and living, this is where Jesus' winnowing fork is going to pick it up and blow it out of the religious institution. Enough with that. John continues, verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who's going to be more powerful than I. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. See, John's contrasting his baptism with that of the Spirit uh, of God. He's saying that, look, my baptism, it's this act of external cleansing. It was a ritual. But what John is saying here is that whereas this is an act and an external ritual, the Holy Spirit is an internal cleansing. Jesus isn't interested, Jesus isn't in the ministry of behavior modification, but indeed heart transformation. He wants to give you a new heart. Mark 7, 1 to 20. Out of the heart is where change comes. Behavior does not change the heart, my friends. The heart changes behavior. I will baptize you with water, but he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Friends, the gospel of Jesus isn't clean yourself up. Be a a good person. Do this and don't do that. Try harder, be better, follow the rules. This is the religion of the Pharisees and it is too easy for us to slip into this and argue that morality is the entrance into the kingdom of God. It is not. Jesus is. The call here is to repent from religion. And to receive Jesus as king. To invite the Holy Spirit into your heart and life. To do what only he can do. That pruning work. Where he just wants to breathe fresh life into your soul. And if you would like to receive Jesus as king this morning. To invite him into your life and into your heart. I'm just going to invite you to meet with one of our members of our prayer team at the side of the room here right after I finish the sermon. If you wanna come pray with me, I would love to pray for you uh, after the sermon. But just as we close here, I want to remind us that we do not subscribe to the religion of the Pharisees. We subscribe to the gospel of Jesus which is not about do and don't do, but done, but done, but done. Receive and trust what Jesus has done for you. And I do want to call, I do want to challenge some of us who have been in the church for a long time. Because I think what this passage is revealing is that it is actually easy to become a Pharisee and a Sadducee. And we do need to repent of this. Some of you today need to repent of just looking and dressing the part, doing the things, checking the boxes, following the Christian code of conduct, giving lip service to your faith, looking good on the outside but on the inside, you've drifted far from God. Hence why you're more legalistic, you're more judgmental, and you're harder on people than you ever have been before. And you need to repent. Some of you have spent a a good chunk, or at least a lot of your life in the Christian bubble. And that could be very beneficial but if, you've, if you're like me, more often than not, that could be a recipe for apathy. Abraham is our father. I'm good. I know my stuff. And, and friend, your faith has become predictable and stale. And, and if I asked you what difference or change you've experienced as a result of of following Jesus, you might reference something that you experienced 15 years ago. And friend, I think the Holy Spirit has more for you because he's anything from predictable and stale and quite frankly, boring. Just going through the motions. Church, we need a wake-up call. John is that wake-up call. Enough of the lip service. Uh, Enough of the act. Jesus is not about religion, but indeed relationship. And if you think he came to make you more religious, you are wrong. And it's time for the church to indeed repent of religion. The worship team, you guys could come on up and i'm just going to invite you church to this act of repentance. I mean this has been John's whole drive and 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 the best way for us to make it easy for the spirit of god to work in our life the best way for us to smooth the road so that jesus could come in and do what he needs to do in and through us for his kingdom is through repentance. Turn away from the world. Turn away from sin and turn away from religion, and turn toward your king. So as we lead worship here, we're on the side. We would love to pray for you. If you would like to walk through some of those things and just receive prayer for some of that, we would love to pray for you. And if you would like to receive Jesus as your king, please come forward. We would love to pray for you. Let me pray, and then we'll, 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 we'll worship. Father God, I I thank you for this wake-up call this week for me personally. And God, I now just entrust this word uh, to your Holy Spirit that you would do what only you can do in the lives of each person here. Father, we do want to prepare for a season of change and renewal. We want to see your kingdom come. We're prepared, God. So Lord, we do that by this act of repentance we're ready Lord do what you need to do in Christ's name I pray Amen Thanks for listening to the E-Free Lethbridge podcast we'll see you next week